Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed. I'm Matt. That's Ethan. That's Griffin. That's it. That's the whole intro, guys. That's all we're doing. Man. I want it to be punchier. I want it to be punchier. It drags ass. The, at the, start. the branding is just shedding away every, every episode. You know what? It's 2023. When this airs, it's probably 2026. Branding <laughs> is not so important anymore. It's about survival. It's about fighting off the the sex teddy bears it's about mm-hmm. fighting through the smoke monsters mm-hmm. and uh just, search, about, just rummaging through houses for cans of beans and scrap can, metal cans of beans mm-hmm. seeing if anybody has star trek settlers of Catan that you can play <laughs> and oh my god currency in the post-apocalypse yeah. oh. uh, i have it no one else here has it so you're gonna be set i'm the that'd be one of those things in the wasteland you'd like find it under a slab of rock and be like oh my god the old world the old world star trek Trek Catan." um or do we use because you know star trek is like the utopian sort of future mm, or do we like find it like jumanji kind of like a guy jumanji again for us jumanji you said it with a real like soft you said like jumanji like it's we'll a, to, I'll loop it. I'll loop Jumanji. it back and play again. How yeah, you punch that in. Hey guys, turn up the volume on it. Jumanji. All right. We yes. decided to do a special episode this week of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. this week it would be fun to have a guest. Oh, okay. that is a good idea. That's a good. Trip. I am. I am kind of tired of our fourth co-host. Just like we have to switch them out every single. Yeah, because they get fired after everyone. To, it might be better to switch to a guest format. Yeah. It's a guest format now. The fourth co-host, who we've gone through and been fired many times, mm-hmm. uh, is done, and we have a special guest this week. And I'm mm-hmm. very excited about it because he is not only one of my favorite comic creators, he's one of my favorite human beings who's ever walked the earth. Aww. that's a big that's a big big hype uh i hope he lives up to it if he shits the bed now it's gonna be such a bummer uh, mr michael walsh is here Yay! Yay. hello thank you for having me i that's gonna be really tough to live up to that matt i think if you just are your normal lovely charming self it's gonna be awesome yeah, if i'll you, do my best if you don't talk down to the people like you <laughs> like you like your instincts may be to to mock us <laughs> and ridicule us don't do that be nice and it'll be great okay i will not follow my instincts <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go uh thank you for coming on how are you doing how are things how's life i'm great i'm busy i'm i've got a seven month old and we're figuring things out day seven to day old, a b- baby a, a seven month old baby <laughs> yeah yes. you have to be specific right yes a seven month old baby and, human uh, human baby baby human <laughs> and we're figuring that out on top of lots of work and and you know so i'm tired i got a bit of the baby brain as they call it but yeah what doing it, my best. how much sleep are you getting it's not too bad right now actually we just sleep trained him Wow. Um, so right. he's he's sleeping most of the night, and uh, he wakes up to feed once or twice. Gets up at five thirty six in the morning. It's not too bad right now. If you talked to me about a month ago, I was 
we were both me and my wife Tony Marie were at the end of our rope really but right now things are good uh what kind of stuff is the baby into what what kind of books does he like and what kind of movies what are, uh, what are board, what board are, games what kind of board games he, he his he really likes never touch a dinosaur a book about never touching a dinosaur it's a great title for a book okay really good okay. book uh his favorite book is probably brown bear what do you see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a really good, good one going through hip. the animals uh mm-hmm. what else does he like he likes putting things in his mouth and throwing I, them and smashing them that's all stuff Don't i'm into young. also yeah mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. he likes pulling out handfuls of fur out of my dog no yeah she's very patient oh sweet Kiki. very good uh he likes splashing in water quite a bit I, so I, I i'd like to go back a little bit you referred to <laughs> kiki as you said my dog yeah normally when we talk about her we say our dog because she's a shared dog between you and me that's true, but you've been an absentee father lately, I, so I haven't. Matthew, I know, I know. I'm gonna make it up to her. I'm gonna show up in the night and steal her. Uh, I love, I love Kiki in a way that I don't think you understand. It's a love you could never <laughs> comprehend. It's a love so deep. Um, she looks so furry when she was on camera a minute ago. She's so furry, and I, I'm sad that clumps of her hair are being pulled out, but I'm sure she's a good sport about it. She is very patient, but she's ready to get back to going for walks every day right now. Who, who isn't ready for that? Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to start. We have a question we ask first. It's a broad question. You go you go in as much as you want into detail. But um, uh, why comics, Michael? What is it about comics that, that drew you in? There's uh, – okay – how long do we have? Six hours. Okay, sick. Mm-hmm. That's just about perfect, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I like. I don't even remember when I started reading comics because it's been they've been a part of my life for so long. I grew up down the street from a comic book shop, and I'd go there with my dad as a little kid, and he would just buy me whatever piqued my interest. And we'd go home, and he'd read it to me, and it was this very ritualistic, close thing I had with him, and like. Um, I loved drawing already by the time I was a little kid. I loved the Ninja Turtles, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. So I just, it was a huge part of my life from the very beginning. And I grew up loving comics and, uh, you know, I didn't really think of it comics specifically as a career. I guess I wasn't very career focused. I just thought art is cool. I want to draw when I get older. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I went to the, uh, the Ontario college of art and design for illustration. And I was shifting between different ideas of what I could do with the skill set that I had at that time. And I was looking at graphic design and I was looking at editorial illustration, but down the street from the college, there was a a little comic book shop and I started reading a lot of books again at that time. And I realized that for me, drawing with a narrative was much more fulfilling than drawing singular images to represent branding or anything like that so I just got into the storytelling aspect of it and Mm -hmm. uh and then when I came out of school I developed a portfolio and I didn't really look back I just said this is what I'm gonna do and and I'm just gonna keep working at it until this is my gig I didn't really have an option b honestly when I graduated from college I I just you know said full steam ahead this is what I'm gonna do So you, but there was, you study, I mean, I'm intrigued. I didn't actually know this. You studied sort of a design, more designy stuff. Yeah. I, I was in 
So at the Ontario College of Art and Design, there's two major streams. There's illustration and there's um, a fine art stream. Mm -hmm. And I was in the illustration stream, which is it, or the design stream. So that's yeah. more focused on the graphic elements of, of art and design. Mm -hmm. I, um, I always think of you as a very... Um aesthetically minded and that's maybe a, a dumb way to talk about art because obviously it's all sort of aesthetically minded but you're you have a very strong design sense in your work um would you would you do you agree with that i guess would be the first no part. i do i do i think that i think about i think about the graphic quality and the style of the work that i do a lot where i think that a lot of artists think about just the draw like the drawing and the dynamism of the drawing mm -hmm. um which is amazing and and that is a part of the focus of when i'm thinking about doing a piece but that's not my primary focus i think yeah. that's like that's hand in hand with the actual graphic de design of the page and the, and the, the structure of the page that i'm yeah. working on yeah um, I, I, I don't know I, if that's because of school or if that's just because of the the, the work that i like to look at as a reader mm -hmm. and a fan of the medium um, I feel like I would be doing the same thing, even if I hadn't studied in graphic design, but, um, yeah, yeah. I think that you're very accurate when you, when you say that. What is the, when you think about the work that you like to look at that, that talks about that, like what in, can you think of specific stuff that you're like, well, that specific comics where you'd look at and be like, well, that, that's something that makes sense to me or that, that touches on yeah. the aesthetic. Then. Honestly, when I, when I, when I try and do comic covers, I, I think more about like movie posters and mm -hmm. book covers than comic book covers. I think more about criterion collection covers mm -hmm. and Mondo posters and um, things that are really eye catching and bold. I don't really, I'm not really super inspired by um, dynamic action pose covers. Sure. I, I mean, I do draw them sometimes and I think there's a way to integrate um, a graphic quality to those kind of covers but that's not what really inspires me yeah i um you uh i in a moment of in a moment of me being overly kind here i will say that often i credit you with with a lot of uh the success in my career i give you a lot of credit for uh, <laughs> i think is, that's unwarranted I, I don't actually because i feel like um you we knew each other and we were we were we were buddies and stuff when i was starting and i i begged you to do the covers for we can never go home and uh i think the first cover the yellow cover you did for we can never go home number one is such a like perfect visual like it stands out so perfectly on a shelf that i think people really checked out the book in a way that you know if we'd had a more actiony cover or a more a less a less designy cover i feel like we would have been lost in the shuffle and it never would have gone anywhere and that book sort of springboarded my career in a lot of ways and so i really do think that like people notice that and you do the cover for the all the all the issues but people really notice that cover and that was sort of what started my career and so i i'm always sort of intrigued by <clears throat> your your covers and your sense of 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 a cover layout is something that like i'm i'm as a fan i'm i'm in uh i enjoy but also from a career perspective like i have so much respect and admiration for how you put together uh the visual look of a book that i i, I never 
thought to be like, oh, do you have a background in design at all? I mean, you even did, you did a logo for We Can Never Go Home, which you weren't supposed to do. You were just like, hey, I just drew a logo to go on here to show you what it could look like. And I was like, I like that logo. We're just going to keep it. Right. I forgot uh, about that. Yeah, I didn't pay you for it either. So um, that was cool. <laughs> On my well, part. now I'm here. Yeah, this is your payment. This is this is your reward. Um, so, th- let's talk about y- your career. Let's talk about where it started and and all that. So you get out of school, and what are you doing? Like, what? what how do you start making comics? I was doing um, mostly really. Uh, factory line graphic design stuff i was taking covers for wii u peripheral like soccer kick pad type games and moving text around and making sure the figures fit and photoshopping them in and doing really monotonous stuff like that and it was making me insane um i started working at a thrift store and i was doing skateboarding lessons i was working like three jobs and doing graphic you were giving skateboarding lessons I was, yeah, I was, I was uh, an instructor. I was a skateboarding instructor. Were you qualified to do that? I, I was at the time, definitely not anymore. That might be one of the coolest things anyone's ever said on the show. I, I think so. Someone said a, a cooler let's, thing. Let's, talk, let's talk about that. What, what, what kind of, what kind of board did you ride? What, what were you riding? Like a, the oh, question wow. that we ask everybody: Why skateboarding? Why skateboarding? Mm-hmm. I always rode blanks because they were cheap and okay. weird. I did not have money to buy you know a blank is the same board just without design on it and when you're skateboarding every day and you're like you know grinding and doing board slides and stuff on rails the the graphic on the bottom of board is gone in a day or two anyway so it doesn't really it never made sense to me as a kid to spend money because i was buying all my own boards anyways Mm -hmm. um on a board that wasn't just like a blank atm or whatever was was the blank shop shop board that they had what's the most complex trick you can do now or then then i don't know i was we're going back in time you're gonna teach me some like flip in flip out stuff on on a box or a rail but i was kind of more of the do something wild off of a 10 set kind of thing which is which is not complicated but it's more about having the guts to go really fast at a a big flight of stairs and to try and do like a nollie kick flip off it or something Mm -hmm. And what's the best trick you can do now? What's the most impressive trick you can do now? I don't know. You know what? I could probably still do a few tricks. I could probably go land a 360 flip if I if I tried a few times. I was never a good skateboarder. Um, I could do like a, I could I could land a kickflip. That's about as good as I could get. But I could get around on a skateboard. I like to get around on a skateboard when I was a kid. And yeah. now, um, if you put me on a skateboard, I'm because I understand <laughs> about um, medical bills. <laughs> I'm so right. terrified that I can barely move. I just kind of like freeze and I'm like, okay, I know how to move. I can like tic tac a little. I can, you know, I can go. <laughs> but basically, I don't know how to skateboard anymore. Not because the the muscle memory is gone or the skill set is gone or the actual memory, but because I'm terrified of it. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that you show up fun. to a skate park and you're just like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> I I look at I go to a skate park and I look at all the kids and I'm like, do all your parents have health insurance for you? Is that all? I just go into the park and I ask them all that and then I get beaten with boards. Where I'm do like, you do coverage? you understand? Are you good? I'm like, I broke my wrist when I was 
16 and it still makes a clicking noise. Do you want that? You don't want that. Um, I'm a hit at the skate park. I'm popular. They like me. Um, you go pick it at the skate park? You hold up signs? I pick it, yeah. Uh, I go think, Say no to skateboard? I go think about, <laughs> think about your parents' credit scores is one of the popular ones. Because, you know, Dude. you get those bills. That's going to fuck up the credit score of your parents. And what if they I can't get... relate? This is this is an American problem. This is an American problem. Ah, I'm sorry. That's right. Mm. Yeah. All right. We got to get out of there before I'm, I get too depressed about that. Yeah. We're not going to talk about we're not going to talk about our countries, even though your country is right now sending toxic smoke into my country. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like we kind of have beef with Canada right now. Yeah, we're not. We're at some sort of low grade war. It's not going good. We're not winning. Um, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, you seem nice That's enough. So we'll root for you. Yep. Um, so, all right. So you, you, you're a professional skateboarder. You're living the life <laughs> as a pro skateboarder. You're on the right. skateboarding circuit. How do you get, how do you transition? Like, when do you get paying comics work? When does that start? I was pitching, I was writing and drawing my own pitches. And then um, I realized that my lettering, I didn't, I just didn't have the time or the money to get illustrator and uh mm -hmm. and i had been hand lettering and it wasn't looking up to the professional standard that i wanted my pitches to look so i was floating around on message boards and dave mckay used to have this message board back in the day for letters and colorists and i found this guy ed brisson and mm -hmm. i was like hey um he was talking about he was looking for some lettering gigs and i said hey ed um would you be able to letter this pitch for me? And Ed looked at the pitch and said, oh, I really like your stuff. I'll letter it for free for you if you'll draw um, a short story for me. I do these short stories called Murder Book. So mm -hmm. me, I did a murder book with Ed and we got along really well. Um, you, know that, that our, you know that you got ripped off there, right? That drawing a short story is much more expensive I, I do, than lettering. I do now. That's why we're not friends. Sure, yeah. It's good. Yeah. One of many reasons. Friends of <laughs> Just, yeah. But... Uh, so we developed a, um, a rapport and a relationship and we decided to start pitching together. And uh, I did a few pitches with him and a few more of my own pitches and a few pitches with other people. And that, that about of a, a year I spent pitching, just drawing probably 10 to 20 pages a month of pitches. And then uh, eventually come back, uh, got picked up by Image Shadowline. And that was my first published work, mm -hmm. um, which was, uh 10 years ago now exactly almost it came out so i've been been around for 10 years happy birthday thanks um happy creative birthday and that's when you gave up professionally skateboarding was that a hard decision for you <laughs> yes yeah i think there's less money in skateboarding than there is in comics it's impressive yeah, um, <laughs> the uh when you when you start doing comeback it, it's fascinating to me because i knew you through ed i knew ed um you're not friends with him anymore either? No, because he tricked me also. Oh, um, no. He's, he's actually, Ed was on the podcast uh, this week. He's the one that aired this week. And that was my final, like, now we're done. Like, closed the curtain on that chapter of my life, moved on. And for the better. <laughs> I've been doing great. I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, I hope he's, I hope wherever he is, I hope he's doing poorly. Um, the, uh, the, no, but I comeback was fascinating to me because I feel like we were all starting out at different, you know, we're all, there's a bunch of us who were all at sort of different points, but we're all very early in our careers and all starting together. And, and 
coming up and come back was like it felt like the biggest thing in the world <laughs> to me because it was like oh the guys i know have an image book like they just yeah went and got an image book and like it's out and it looks cool and it's good and like all this stuff that that just felt like really quickly validating for everything i was trying to do that like this is possible this isn't yeah this isn't something uh that feels you know up until that point it was just you know the idea of becoming a published comic creator was a thing that we understood but now it was a thing that for a bunch of us like you guys had actually done and you you were doing it um it was a, it was an interesting time because i think uh saga ha was just kicking off and it felt like a lot of people were talking about image at that time uh -huh. and they were they were doing some really cool books and there was a lot of us um you included Matt that were that were just starting out and trying to get books in an image. And um, I remember Justin Jordan had just tried sure. in Luther Strode right before then. Yeah. Um, so it felt like they, there was the possibility of up and comers getting books at image at that time. I don't know if that still feels like that. It felt like a different time, honestly. Well, Ethan and Griffin have a book at image. Well, <laughs> now. Congratulations. So they're, they're up and comers. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's guys, really do you, exciting, guys, do you feel like do you feel like image is a uh, do you feel like it's a door opening for you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ! I <laughs> <laughs> will right, we'll cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> um, All right, well, we'll do another. We'll do another take. We'll do another take. Yeah, we're on the road to fame and fortune. <laughs> I love it. Love it. You guys can quit your skateboarding jobs and go full yeah. comic creator, and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious about you. So you have comeback, and it's coming out. Uh, did it feel? Did it feel like monumental to you? Did it feel important to you? I've, I've sort of never asked. I know it's like a big book in your career and Ed's career, but like, I actually don't know how it felt for you guys. You you both seemed very like, yeah, we make comics. This is what we're supposed to do. Like, you seemed very chill about it in a way that I did not feel very chill about it. No, it was huge. Um, yeah, it felt incredible. But I feel like that feeling is so fleeting mm -hmm. because you just start having to do the work so fast yeah, and start, start having to work. I had never worked at a monthly pace before, mm -hmm. you know, so having to just get these pages done and, and get them up to the standard that I was hoping I could achieve made that, that, um, elatedness go away so fast, you know, like I was, I, I knew that this was hopefully career making for me, but I couldn't really focus on that because it would just set me back in terms of my pro productivity, really. I just needed to focus. And by the time I was like catching my breath from finishing comeback, I was already starting in on X-Files. So it just mm -hmm. like, it just kept rolling and snowballing. And I never really did end up having an opportunity to catch my breath at that point. Yeah. What did you, from X-Files, did you go straight to like Marvel stuff from X-Files? Yeah. So I did... In, uh, I did come back and then I started on X-Files and while I was doing X-Files I did the first issue of Zero with Alish mm -hmm. and then Alish uh, brought me on or requested me for Secret Avengers at mm -hmm. Marvel so I went I went just like yeah no gaps at all just come back uh, X-Files Secret Avengers um, yeah and then I was at Marvel for for a long time there just doing mostly Marvel stuff yeah 
Um, was that a goal for you? Were you were you like a Marvel guy? Did, were you interested in that, or was that just where the career was taking you? No, I, I was yeah, I was a huge Marvel Marvel kid, and then when I got back into the superhero stuff in college, like I said, there was a comic store down the street. Mm-hmm. Was right when uh, Bendis was launching New Avengers, yeah. which was w- one of the things that like I grabbed and I was like, whoa this is cool. Cause I had never been an Avengers guy, but that sure. kind of got me into the Avengers world. I grew up on Spider-Man and X-Men were my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, like I was reading a bunch of Marvel at the time. I was, I was super into it. I remember I was probably more um, excited for that even than than come back because that felt like, Oh my God, I got a Marvel book. Like yeah. I could actually do this thing, you know, like I could actually make an impact and, and get long-term work and maybe I'll be able to get work for, for years and years now, you know, it won't just be hoping that I have a gig after this. Mm-hmm. It felt like a ticket to something, but I mean, little did I know that it's not like you don't, you don't break through and then you're in, it's like yeah. every single project is like a new uphill battle to, to try and get the work that you want. The your time at Marvel is really funny to me because you end up doing a lot of like the kind of books that I really love, which are like very strange, odd, like esoteric books. Yeah. Um, you did the that X Men book. Um, with Max, yeah. Yeah, with Max Bemis, that was really fun and and like just a, even for X Men was like a real fucking weird X Men book, and um, that Hydra book. What was the deal with that Hydra book? that that book is actually like one of my favorite things i did there it was pretty funny david mandel who uh was a producer and wrote a bunch of seinfeld stuff um he wrote that and yeah. and he has such a great sense of humor i thought it was one of the the funniest things i've ever worked on there but it was an interesting trajectory at marvel because i was brought on as this horror sci-fi guy i had just come off comeback which was yeah. sci-fi action and then x-files which was sci-fi horror and initially, Alish's idea for Secret Avengers was to really push the sci-fi horror, body horror stuff in it. And like, I was so on board for that. But as the book went, the tone kept getting more and more absurd. And by the end, it was a- an absurdist comedy, really, more than anything. Yeah. And I think Marvel saw that I could do comedy and, you know, have that bit of a down-to-earth art style with the and and that focused on character work and selling the jokes and stuff um so they started putting me on more and more comedy stuff but as much as I had fun drawing it at that time that's not really the stuff that I love to draw right but that kind of became that became my place at Marvel for a while Mm -hmm. and I did and I was liking but I kept saying to them you know give me maybe something that's not this for a little bit because you know i really love the horror stuff i really like dark action and fantasy and stuff like that and um and i did do like vision and hawkeye and stuff like that and i'm very thankful for those gigs but uh but yeah it was it was refreshing to go back and do horror and and to do some of the darker tone stuff that i've been doing in the last couple years for sure yeah i think it's it's fascinating to me always because like you're you're on this like sort of strange esoteric weirdo book kind of kind of ride there and then you end up and you're doing you know the issues of the matt fraction uh or you're doing the hawkeye stuff like around the fraction time when it's a very prestigious book yeah in and, secret avengers right like yeah. Hawkeye was a main hawkeye's in avengers, there yeah. and then you're doing the vision book with 
the issues of vision with Tom King and and like these are these are like such prestige books. So you you go from being like this guy who they kind of don't know where to place to ending up on these very prestige projects. It's such a funny trajectory for me to be like it yeah it's a weird needle that they thread there from like putting me on a few yeah like you said esoteric abstract comedy books and then fill-ins on like the really critically acclaimed stuff that they were doing at the time right but not they kind of stopped giving me my own number ones at around that point but the books that they were putting me on were really really good like I was already reading those books so I couldn't complain about that either right so it was a strange I was in a strange position for a little while there sure um it's always uh, I find their decision making always like and obviously it's easier to look back on everything like 2020 hindsight but I, I find it so fascinating to be like yeah this is a guy who's doing working on all these prestige projects but you don't ever kind of land one that's fully yours in mm-hmm. that way you know and it feels like a real missed opportunity on their part i feel like to to have you do something off of the success of vision and hawkeye and all that to be doing something that big because after vision you're pretty much out the door there right you don't do much after that i'm trying to think well no i did the i did the issue of chips spider-man thing which oh was yeah, a really yeah. Big issue too. The, the dinner Again, like, yeah, an- another issue that was like a fill-in character study on one of their big, really critically acclaimed yeah. books. Um, and I'm trying to think what my last thing was there. That might have been, I think Spider-Man might have been my last thing there. Because then I uh, got offered um, Justice League Black Hammer at, mm-hmm. at Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah. So I think I went, I think if the timing is correct in my head, I went from from that book to working with Jeff on the Justice League Black Hammer thing. Mm-hmm. And how but was that? That was great. I mean, I love Jeff. I find sure. him absolutely inspiring as, as a guy who writes and draws his own work and he has a distinct and unique style and he's being able to really make that work for his career in, a, in an industry that it's pretty hard to have that kind of a distinct style that's so different from the house styles that the companies are using and yeah and he's writes for other artists and he's just an absolute pleasure to work with i love that guy and he's canadian so that's got to be nice for you definitely bonus (laughs) points And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Michael Walsh. Make sure to check out The Silver Coin as well as everything else he's working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Walsh. To get the latest episodes of this podcast as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Where is the poison?